When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Okay, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, and uh, a man of great controversy these days, Alex Boone. Uh, what's going on, Alex? How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Um, you were right when you said the other day before the end of the show and before you talked about Adrian Peterson that you were glad you don't have a Twitter because Twitter was mad about what you talked about with Adrian Peterson. But, Alex, we're going to talk about this for a few minutes, and then we're going to get into the game because we are basically pregame for you tonight. Pre-game. Vikings and uh, Washington Thursday night. It's going to be, um, I think, great for the Vikings and maybe not so much for Case Keenum and Adrian Peterson. Uh, but uh, yeah. we're going to get into that and, and with you, Courtney, as well. But here's how I framed this yesterday, Alex, and you tell me whether you think this is accurate or not because – you weren't on yesterday, so I'm kind of speaking for you. Okay. That when you played with Adrian Peterson, you came to Minnesota with expectations that were very high for a team that was really good and had a superstar player. And your experience with him was not the same as many who had played with him during his prime. And I think that that was, as a football junkie for you, it was disappointing from comparing your expectations for one of the great players to ever play, Adrian Peterson, to what you experienced with him in a very tumultuous year for many people. Like, I think that there would be many Minnesota Viking coaches, executives, players who would say, yeah, can we not talk about 2016? And uh, so I think that the circumstances played into it, your expectation played into it, um, and and maybe just the fact that you are a guy who loves great football players and love being around them, like Carson Palmer, who came on, like right. Frank Gore, who you've talked about on a number of occasions. So that's how right. I talked about it. You tell me if I missed anything there with what you said the other day about Adrian Peterson. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think I had one perception in my mind about him, and you know, it wasn't just you know one thing that happened. It was just the course of the year that I was like, man, you know what? I really just. I thought more, man. I expected more. And maybe I set the bar too high. But I got to say, you know what? Maybe I attacked him too hard on Tuesday. And you're right. I'm sorry. I got close to crossing a line that even I know is not crossable. And under no circumstances is that line ever crossable. I agree. 
not ever afraid to say that I was wrong or that I'm sorry. But I will say this. That is my genuine opinion, and it will never change. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And you and I had talked on the phone, and we were like, listen, man, it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to change my mind. And I get people are upset. And, yes, he's absolutely a Hall of Fame running back. Dude, we said it. I told you on the phone. Sweetness will open his arms to welcome in Adrian Peterson. On the field, it's one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL. When it comes to me personally, I was like, dude, really? Really? And that hurt me. You think all these people weren't hurt? How do you think I felt? You're right. I'm the biggest nerd out there. I'm the biggest fan ever. That's why I have the best point of view, because I'm you guys in that scenario. I was one of you guys in a world that I didn't belong. So all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, this is great. And then when your heart gets broken, you're like, wait, what? No. (laughs) Don't say that. Don't do that to me, dude. Come on. Really? Really? Okay. I get that he's mad. I'd be pissed as hell too if somebody came at me like that. I don't. I have no malice about that. Listen, dude, it is what it is. He probably doesn't even know why I'm mad, but I'm just upset. I just wasn't what I thought it would be, and I was like, man, that really crushed me. I'm sorry. And you're right. It was a tumultuous year, and it was a rough year for everybody. So maybe that's what it was. So I wasn't on on Tuesday because they altered the schedule, and I had to be out. They eating. would. Um, they would, you know, Thursday night football, just trying to throw me off my game. Sounds and I, like excuses it, to me. You know what? Uh, I thought we didn't make excuses we, on this we show. We don't make excuses on this show, but um, that is a fact of the matter. And um, I'll apologize for missing Tuesday's show, but I'm here okay. now. Um, and I listened to it. I, I saw it on Tuesday night, and I texted Matt, and I was like, wow, Boone went in, I think in all caps, wrote in. Yeah. And I had no issue with it from just an outsider's perspective does everybody want everybody to agree and just be like this? Like, let's put this guy on a pedestal. Let's enshrine him. Let's build a statue for him outside the stadium and act like he didn't have a checkered pass throughout his entire time, majority of his time in Minnesota, on and off the field. Like, I, I just don't understand from the fan perspective. Um, it's like you shot their dog in front of them, and I just don't understand that because the beauty of this is that. As Sage Rosenfels came on yesterday, gave his perspective on it. You have your perspective on it. Right. I don't understand why we can't respect the different perspectives um, because not everybody's going to look at every player the same way. I just, this is, that baffles me that we are in, in such a mad online type mode with <laughs> right. this. And it makes no were. sense. And, and, uh, no, and, and I understand why. It's because when you go at a Hall of Fame player like that out of nowhere, especially when you kind of jump on him, now I'm not going to say that. It's like surprising to a lot of people because I think some people knew. And this was really the first time anyone's really asked me about it. But everybody also knows that I'm a very emotional person. I ride this game on emotions, right? I'm always really excited. You guys can tell I'm always really excited. I was always like this at football. So when I'm like this at football and you're not like grooving with me and I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be. What's going on, man? Is it me? Is it you? What's going on? You know? And then all of a sudden we're starting to do too much and the season starts happening and we're like, oh my God, what is happening? Like this, the way the building just exploded it was like wow dude this is incredible but people now are like dude whoa this is like out of nowhere i didn't mean to be all crazy about it like that i'm just giving you my opinion and it was my opinion and it won't and i get that people are mad because he is a hall of famer and he's done so much for this city and he's taken these teams so far i used to watch him like dude this guy's incredible absolutely so i get where people are coming from but at the end of the day i saw these players in a different light and i told this to matt earlier you guys look at these guys and you're like these are hall of fame players i get that dude that was my teammate I used to have conversations with these guys that is completely confidential, that will forever go down in the history books as the most amazing conversations. But you don't look at them like Hall of Famers. You look at them like your teammate. Like, dude, we went through some really tough times together, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. 
Yeah, we were teammates that year. Like Randy Moss, he was a teammate of mine. Great guy. Justin Smith, teammates. These are all guys that will go in the Hall of Fame that's like, man, those are all great teammates. And it's just the way you sometimes people rub you the wrong way. You're like, man, it's just not cool. You know, the other part of it, too, was, and I don't think people realize this either, is I didn't tell you before, hey, I'm going to ask you about Adrian Peterson and playing with him. Uh, we didn't, like, prep that. That was at the end of the show. So you didn't write an official statement down. Never I, mean, do. I, I, I think, never do. I, I think if, if you were to write the essay for the Players' Tribune about playing with Adrian Peterson, things might get phrased a little differently or a little more carefully. But when it's off the cuff and I just say, hey, what was that like? And But that was not a good year for this team. It no, was, 20, it, it think, was think about apart. like Yeah, think about the, the, All the circumstances happened, yeah. around 2016, 5-0, Eight and eight slide, lose Teddy, Sam Bradford, trade away your pick. Like, I mean, on top of that, everything else that was mixed into that year. Like, yeah. does do people expect you to have like this rosy sort of opinion? I love the the authenticity of it. I, that's why I love doing sports radio because you can go off the cuff and you're not, you know, fanboying over every little thing and trying to be in agreement. And I think it's great. Right. So. Uh- I agree with you, too, and I think that when you write stuff down, it comes off differently, and it comes off bad. And so when you just kind of shoot it out, it's the honest opinion. And you're right. I went a little too far, a little too fast, and for that, I apologize. All right. Uh, so there we have it. All right. Now we can talk about tonight's game. I think and, people uh, are, still want to be I, mad online, and we can oh, just they let do, them. Of course. Yeah. Let them be mad. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, other, the thing that's crazy to me sometimes is when people are like, yeah, I, well, it's probably not wrong, but why did he say it? And like, well, I mean... What? That's, that's what <laughs> right. I said. None of this is scripted. It's, you asked, I answered. That yeah, was it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that that's why we have a former NFL player to give us perspectives that we don't already have, right? I mean, yeah. you're good. You're good at this. You have a great uh, radio offensive line guy voice, but I, I mean, that's sort of part of the allure of someone who's in the locker rooms <laughs> and on the field is to be able to tell us perspectives that we don't have. So anyway, it was uh, a couple of interesting days because we got into deeper conversations about Peterson and his legacy here, which. You are not the first person, Alex, to bring up how complex that is, and that goes into a lot of different spaces uh, that we were able to discuss. So I thought it, what came out of it was some really interesting conversations, and Sage Rosenfels, as you mentioned, Courtney, acknowledged that he had run into players along his career that were legends that he didn't walk away thinking, wow, what a legend, what a great guy. He had different uh, ideas about them, too, so you're not alone in that. All right, tonight, football game, everyone. Who wants to start? Where do we want to begin with this? Should we begin with Vegas's line of did, did it change? Did it go up? Because when it opened, it was fifteen and a half. It's and seventeen I, now. I think that is absurd. Like yes, I had is. this. I had this conversation with somebody the other day. Do we really think that Washington is seventeen and a half points worse than the Vikings? I mean, this is an NFL team. I expect blowouts like what happened on Monday Night Football to happen every so often. But for Vegas to go and have a line that big, like I'm not even talking about like the, oh, it's the curse of the Buffalo game all over again. But just like this is the NFL we're talking about. And you have opening lines like that. You They must really think Washington is god awful. And they probably are. I mean, their record reflects not so great play, but also reflects a lot of turmoil. But 17 now? 17 I mean, and a half? Aggressive. Not, That's not only that, they fired their head coach. That's probably why it's so high. I mean, you got a second coach in there, Bill Callahan, and you're coming into one of the toughest places to play with one of the best defenses and an offense that has done nothing all year. I mean, 
I think that maybe I'm the only one that thinks 17th being nice. I mean, I don't know. I mean, really? Okay. I, I mean, well, what would you make the line? Man, uh, 24? I don't know. <laughs> oh I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Dalvin like Cook and I'm seriously Rutgers. wondering are they going to be able to stop him at all tonight? I mean, I get that their interior D line and their D line is pretty solid. But after that, I'm like, man, uh, if he gets through that hole at all, it's over. All right, let's let's work backwards on this then. So we all agree that the talent gap here, added with the fact that it's U.S. Bank Stadium, points very strongly in the direction of the Minnesota Vikings. But let's say it's a good game. I mean, it's very hard to paint a scenario where I say, like, what if Washington wins? Because that just seems really, really unlikely. But, Courtney, if Washington makes it a game, how do they do it? (sighs) I don't think it's going to be running the ball because what they do against San Francisco ran what like twenty times for like eighty-one yards with Peterson. Like they just kept running into the same problems, and you're not going to run on this defensive line. So maybe it's Case getting a little big for his britches and just kind of letting airing it out, kind of going against his former team, doing some of the things that we saw him do during the 2017 season, making plays on the run, getting out of the pocket. Um, I guess you'd really expect Terry McLaurin then if if that's the if that's the key for them to win like then he'd have to have a huge game but I don't know I just can't see it because I don't think this defense is good enough to go toe to toe with these two with well you know with BC Johnson and Stephon Diggs BC huh yeah really giving BC I'm not giving that much credit yeah but um, (laughs) no I mean I just the the offense is so versatile right now and it's such a dual threat right now that this defense can't I just I can't think a scenario for them to be that much. Um, you know, leveling out the playing field. So you here, you didn't really say. you didn't really get there. You didn't really get to it to being a competitive game. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, like, but I'm not saying it's a 24 no. point uh, I mean, differential like Alex over here. Like I'm giving them with, some chance. I think that if there is ever any chance for them to make this a game, number one, you have to continue to run the ball. You have to make them think that you're going to make this a Bill Callahan game, where you're just going to keep running the ball and running the ball and running the ball, and then all of a sudden you pull out the play action. If you're going to have a chance at all with Casey winning this game, it has to be with the guys around him, too. Like It has to be the receivers have to make plays. The ball has to get out of his hand quickly. Number one, because you don't have an O-line. Like, you don't want these two edge guys just pinning their ears back the whole day against Casey Keenum. Like, that's not a very successful day for him. So the ball's got to come out of his hands, and the guys have to make plays in space. And that's really the only chance they're going to have to win this game. Jeez, I, I'm just looking at their last few games here. They scored it's tough. three I mean, about against the, the Giants, yeah. seven against the Patriots, 17 against Miami, which is not impressive, and then zero last week in the wetness. And then even before that, uh, against Chicago, 15. Like, they have not been able to put I mean, up any kind of points on offense. Last, I mean, last week, if you just go through it, like, their red zone efficiency has been really bad because, A, they can't get down there in the first place. But <laughs> that hurts. <yeah. laughs> they, they threw for 50 yards. That's, like, oh worse than what happened, like, for the Vikings against Atlanta. Was raining. Wasn't it, like, 12 plays? Yeah, uh, twelve pass plays. Right. It, it was passing. a swamp, so you can't say that. like they, you know they had a whole game plan and then they showed up that day like really. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're just gonna run the ball fifty five times because you can't. I mean, I heard Dion Hall, D'Angelo Hall, talking about how he was like that. The game plan last week was wrong, dude. Did you not see that torrential downpour? At what point are you like, hey, we're going to throw the ball, Casey? Casey's probably like, no, we're not going to throw the ball. Like, I, this is the I, worst I, thing. Hands are too little. Hands are too little. So then here's the question for me. Do you guys think that maybe it's time for Dwayne Haskins to come in and try and see if he can't do something? 
I mean, I've thought that I've since... Th- I felt that since the Patriots game. Mm. I thought the switch was going to be made after week five for them. I, I, do you I, think I, that this is the right week to do it, though, in a away stadium like U.S. Bank against this defense? No, probably not. But uh, next week they play Buffalo. That's a great defense, too. Probably second half of the season, there's more opportunities for them to do it when they play like the Jets. That'd be a good time. But... <laughs> Now is it but it is is it weird to you Alex that they have said basically this kid can't read defenses yet we can't put him out there the one time he did go out there he threw three picks just like in a snap I mean is there something to it that Someone could go out there and struggle so much that you ruin their confidence. And I, I feel like sending him out at U.S. Bank Stadium against this defense would be absolutely under the category of murder one guy's confidence too early in his career. Absolutely. And I, I'm, that's why I'm, not, I'm asking you guys because I heard today people were like, oh, it's, it's Dwayne Haskins time. I'm like, dude, this is the last game I would throw him in. I'd be like, Dwayne, you're not even dressing. Because I'm going to get the opinion in the back of my mind, like, dude, I want this kid to play. And this is the last place I want to see you out there playing. Because this defense is going to be turned up. They're going to have their ears <laughs> pinned back. Thursday night games are tough. I'm telling you, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental. You're just coming out of a Sunday game, and all of a sudden they throw a whole book at you Sunday night, and they're like, relearn all this, and we're going to see you tomorrow. And you're like... Oh, my God. So then all of a sudden, the colors change, the numbers change, the wording changes, the calls change, everything changes. So you show up Thursday, and you're like, am I doing Sunday or Thursday? What day are we talking about, guys? I'm totally lost here. And everything's just kind of mishmashed together, and you're trying to remember the defense and what's this guy's number one move. I mean, there's so many things, but the problem is when you're a struggling team, that's so many more problems to throw on your plate that you don't need. And it's like, man, that's why they say most of the home games on a Thursday night are the chances to win are so likely. The one thing I have an issue with with Dwayne Haskins is like this whole narrative that he can't process it fast enough. He's, you know, too slow, not ready, not you know, mentally ready for this type of stage. And I mean, you talk about the protections and it has been, I don't know, as Alex, you were saying they don't have an offensive line and that's probably true. Right. Um, but the, I thought the protection the last two weeks, just from like looking back at like some some film ahead of this game, say grind in the tape, say it, grind in tape. Um, <laughs> it looked decent. It wasn't great, but it looked decent. So I don't know if there's if that's what you're feeding it into because I feel like we're just pointing and saying, Dwayne, you were picked 15th overall, but you are clearly not worth that type of pick. Like I just don't understand. Like why we're si- why we're singling out this one quarterback from the rookie class and saying mentally you're not here yet, but we're saying Daniel Jones is, we're saying the rest of the rookie quarterbacks are. Like what's different about Dwayne Haskins other than the fact that he had one really bad outing early on? I think, I think the fact that he plays for the Redskins. These guys have no idea how to talk. If I were the Redskins, I'd be like, dude, we're not putting Dwayne out there because we don't want Dwayne to get hurt. All right, we're, we're we're here to make Dwayne better. We're here to coach him up. But at the end of the day, he's just not ready, and that's going to lead to him getting hurt or somebody else getting hurt. I certainly wouldn't be like, this guy's not picking up defenses correctly. <laughs> yeah, I just don't what? like that. What do you like, mean? It's a cover two or a cover one, dude. What is the problem? Like, what do you not understand? Two or one, one high, two high. It's really easy. So I think that when you're talking about this, you say. Man, Washington's doing a really bad job of trying to cover something really nasty up, aren't they? Because talk about this kid. Like, what do you think he feels? Like, he's probably reading all this. Like, man, I can't cover defense. What is going? I'm doing fine. Like, I I can't imagine that you would take a kid 15th in the draft and then have this many negative things to say. That's my thing. It's like I agree. They're they're like concocting all of these negative things because are they just too scared of like losing their own jobs? If they're like, yeah, we have to turn to Dwayne Haskins now, and then they lose their last nine games of the season. Like, I don't know. Like. that to me, it's just it's a weird thing because you wouldn't 
if you thought the guy was an absolute moron, you wouldn't have drafted huh. him 15th overall. You cannot convince me otherwise you would have taken a quarterback in the third round, right. a developmental quarterback. If right. you take a quarterback in the first round with a fi- top 15 pick, he is ready to play. I just don't right. buy that. I do think it's okay to sit someone for a year when they're in a horrendous situation. I mean, there are examples that are obvious that you can point to, like Aaron Rodgers. I don't expect that sure. Dwayne Haskins to ever be that washed, but, um, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, you, I, like, I know it's great. Uh, Pat Mahomes, I mean, sits for a year behind Alex Smith while they Way compete, different. and it, it, it very different, very different very franchise, different. very different coach, everything else. Yep. But, like you said, Alex, to make it seem like the guy just is in these meetings going, what? Who's, who's here? <laughs> who's this strong safety guy? What, is what are they called? Guy? Sarfties? No, no, that's safeties, Dwayne. Like, yeah. what is it? I mean, they do a bad job like, of it, dude. And I agree. And listen, a lot of it too is think about this. He went from a Jay Gruden offense, right? To he now he's learning a Bill Callahan offense, which is probably the exact opposite. Yeah, they don't even need a quarterback. They just dude, need. You don't need one. You really don't. You just need a lineman to take the snap and hand it off. But you talk about then next year, who's going to be the coach? That's three offensive systems for. A kid who's played in like one game and thrown four interceptions. Do you think his mind is like, dude, we got this? Or do you think he's like, dude, what is going on? This was not what they promised me at Ohio State. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. I think I've concocted it while you guys were ranting about Dwayne Haskins. The situation in which this thing could be interesting tonight between Washington and Minnesota. So let us discuss Alex Boone, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to talk to him a little bit today about some of those things. Just, you know, he, he needs to just focus on his job, focus on uh, getting the guys in the right place and doing what he's supposed to do. And there's always some emotions when you're playing a team that you went against. I'm sure Adrian and Case are doing the same thing, right? But, um, you know, it's more important that we focus on what we have to do and his job and what he has to do than worry about all the other things that go along with it. That was Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, former Minnesota Viking Alex Boone. We were just looking this up, Alex, because a lot of people insulted your play online from 2016. Pro Football Focus had you only allowing one sack and giving up 16 pressures in 2016. I know that those guys are not your friends, but uh, those numbers aren't too bad from 2016. So there you so go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not a turnstile. I gave up one sack and 783 snaps. This is. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the turnstile. 873. You had those numbers backwards. Uh, but I'm just well, yeah. well, there you go. There you go. Boom. So there's your. There's the numbers for everybody who. Do people forget that. like how many injuries <laughs> that offensive line had? 
that yeah. year. Dude, don't even get me started. We already went through. We, we short some things up. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. I, I just thought since I was poking around, I would clarify that for the uh, people. Who I'm said, glad you said that, and did, I didn't have to because that would have been a really yeah, yeah. that'd have been a bad look if I had to say that. So yeah. thank you for saying. Okay. that. Okay. So anyway, you had a 67 grade by them, which is a, a shade above average for that. It year, was so. actually not true, but I was. I, I'm going to text you something right now. You're going to get a kick out of this. Okay. You'll laugh. All right. So uh, I think that Jonathan gave away a little bit of my tease because my tease was how could this game be interesting? And that was Mike Zimmer talking about having a conversation with Kirk Cousins about putting all of the other stuff, playing his former franchise and the bright lights and all that aside for tonight. And I think if this is going to be a close game, and I still would not give it to Washington, even if you told me Kirk had a meltdown and freaked out. But I think that the combination of good defensive line players for Washington who can create pressure, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen had a couple of sacks last week in the, in the muck and uh, you know they have a couple other guys up there who can you know create pressure. Ryan Kerrigan has been a good player in the past. Yep. That if Cousins fumbles or if Cousins throws a pick six or something like that, like this thing could get a little hairy at times. And if he is a little overwhelmed with emotion playing his his uh, uh, former team and things like that, then then I would put it under the category of possible. This is a fairly close game. I think we always have to include that. Hey, if Cousins has one of those games where he's a little shaky, they could still win, and we've seen that before, uh, especially last year against the Jets, but it might not look like the last three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think the I wrote something for today, just kind of looking a little further into these stretches, because when you look at the overall body of work, career-wise, for Kirk Cousins, um, Washington saw these stretches throughout his entire time as a starter, multiple times in 2015, again in 16 and 17. If if these stretches were sustainable, they would have re-signed him. They would right. not have franchised him twice. They would they would have thought of him as a long-term answer. Um, so that's like when when people want to argue about being negative and saying like, oh, like you know, they're in a really good stretch right now. If they can continue doing X, Y, and Z, that's fine. But like, and that probably will bring out really good play from him because it's the play calling and the scheme around him that's changed in these last three games since the disaster in Chicago. Um, but the one thing that we don't talk about here is like, there's no, there have not been that many turnovers from Cousins in this stretch. Like the key for him, I think, really, it's just kind of a, a no brainer for every quarterback to sustain success and play at a high level is don't turn the ball over. Aside from an interception that was. Honestly, not his fault against right. the Eagles. That was that was on Stephon Diggs, and then he fumbled and recovered the ball because of the bad snap um, against the Giants. Like he's been playing very clean, um, and that to me, like if this thing goes down tonight, if if there's some sort of you know what what will be the key to that? It'll be miscommunication with Garrett Bradbury. And picks like that to me is the only way that this is a close game because he, the way that Kirk has been playing right now is sustainable if he doesn't if he continues to not turn the ball over. Yeah, that's such a 
I don't know. That's such a hard thing to say because sometimes it comes at you know your least expected. A strip sack fumble isn't your fault. It's not your fault the defensive end came from behind you and stripped the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's I agree. If with you, you stand in the pocket too long, isn't no, it? I agree. But what if you're not in the pocket too long? Like sometimes things just happen, and that's just the way the the game is. And and you know you look at the last game with the Lions, and you're talking about how many times are we looking at like Matthew Stafford's hand is the ball going forward? Is it not going forward? Like you're like man, that's a close, and that was quick. I mean, how quick was that in the last game? That we had to go back and look at Matthew Stafford. Is he throwing the ball? Is it a fumble? I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, and I agree with you. I think that during this this run that Kirk Cousins has been on, they've been keeping him somewhat clean. Now, there's the every occasion sack that he takes that is a miscommunication, and to me, that needs to be cleaned up for the playoffs. Like those are things that when you get to the playoffs, you can't have those. Where a guy's sliding. I don't know if you guys saw it, but did you guys see Casserly's uh, Washington's only chance to win the game? Oh, I didn't. No. Is that okay. an NFL Network? Yeah, so he's talking, and I'm like, you know what, Casterly, I'm going to listen. I'm going to see what you have to say. And he's talking about Riley Reef, and you got to get pressure on Riley. And I'm like, okay, that's low-hanging fruit. Then he starts talking about Elfline. And I'm like, okay, let's see what he says about Pat. He shows a clip of Pat sliding left. The center clearly points left, but then goes right. So all of a sudden, as a left guard, I go, if you point left, you come left, right? Well, why are you going right? So the, the defensive tackle beats Pat Elfline, and I'm like, listen. Number one, you got to show at least the right clip. Yes, I agree that Pat Offline is, you know, susceptible to quick moves, but this offensive line is getting better. And I warned you guys that momentum is one of these things that when you start playing well, all of a sudden you start taking steps and you start saying, hey, listen, let's grow on these. Like we said last week about Garrett Bradbury, we thought his run game was better. He was more physical. He was more into it. He, he seemed like he was more taking charge. Like As weeks progress, he seems like he's getting better. Yes, I agree the guards and the tackles have their issues. But at least in the center, the, the, he's taking steps and he's taking this momentum, which is huge for this offense going forward. Can you explain about the mentality of an offensive lineman, especially when you're a young player like that, of how much it means to get that momentum? Because with Bradbury, after the first four weeks, I mean, he took some haymakers. Yeah, I mean, that, that guy got punched hard by some really great players, especially the things that Kenny Clark did to him were just like, wow, okay, he's picking him up and moving him. Right, um, right. And, and that's got to be tough for your confidence. You're like, I'm a first-round pick, and you go through training camp, you're like, and of course he didn't practice against Linval much, so you're like, I can handle Hercules Mata'afa, like, here we go. <laughs> and then you get ragdolled a number of times in those first few weeks. I think it's impressive to see him come back, play well against Fletcher Cox, play well against the times that Snacks Harrison was in. I think it says a little something about his mentality and his mental toughness as a player. I agree. And then when you say, like, you talk about a Snacks, right? Like last week in the Lions, I'm sure that that was one of those tests. Fletcher Cox the week before. Those are in his mind right now. Like, hey, listen, I played really well against Fletcher, right? I took Snacks out kind of out of the game. He got hurt. And he's like, dude, listen, I got this. I'm taking steps. Now, yeah, you're right. There's some guys in this league that are just going to pick you up off the ground. Like, dude, you can't. I can't. Nobody can really help you at that situation. Like You just got to know how to fight through it. But when you're talking about a guy taking steps going forward that's going to help this offense, you're talking about the center. And it's just he's taking steps. And tonight's another great test. I mean, these guys in the middle are tough. And I know that they are not on a good team. And sometimes this is like a sleeper game for an old lineman because it's like, man, this team isn't good, but these guys are really good in the middle. Like That's what they're kind of known for. And so you go into this game thinking, hey, if I can get through this Thursday game, it's going to hurt like hell. But if I can go out and play really well, that's another step I can take. And next week you're going into Kansas City, and that's going to be another one. I think the thing that's just so remarkable to me at this point um, that kind of brings back at least like some shades of 2017 in my mind is that when you look at the injury report for this team, you're not seeing a ton of offensive linemen on there. 
Um, like, I mean, Riley Reef was dealing with the ankle injury, didn't cause him to miss the Detroit game. He's not on the, you know, he's not questionable or anything like that for, I don't know if he was on there this week, but he was a full participant if he was. Right. Um, that is so wild to me at this point, the halfway mark of the season, that your offensive line, just for a team, I mean, you can attest to this from 2016, 2015 on, um, Every year, it's been something. And I remember in 2017, my first year covering this team, that by week five, um, everything was like there were injuries that Nick Easton was out pretty much for that point going forward. So, you know, it just seems to the benefit the way that things have been, they've been able to keep guys clean, keep guys healthy. Um, it just feels very rare. I don't know if I'm like overstating that. But no, just, no, it has like, been over these last few you know. years where it's been very hard to keep the uh, continuity going with the offensive line and even right. to have a few different players dinged up mm-hmm. and Dakota Dozier having to mix in there. And I, I don't know how you feel about this one, but I, I think, Alex, for center and the guards, that they especially have to be on the same page and that that could be hard, too, when you have guys mixing in and out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's weird because it's like two different groups, right? You have your, like, your interior, and then you have like the right side or the left side. So technically, as a guard, I was part of both. I was the interior, so I had to always be on the same page with my center. And depending on who the center was, like when it was Jonathan Goodwin in San Francisco, that dude wanted to know everything. Like He'd be like, yo, where's Cap looking? How long is he looking there? Why is he looking there? Does he look panicked? Should I kill it? Like He had to know everything, which was great because he was one of the smartest guys I was ever around. But then I played next to a guy on the other side who was Anthony Davis, and he was probably the craziest, scariest, meanest person I've ever met, but I loved him like a brother, and I still do. He's the greatest person in the world, but he, I mean, you talk about guys, and when you're in sync with two different guys, man, it's crazy, and right now they're kind of hitting stride, and you're right, Dozier had to kind of come in for a little bit, and he didn't look very good, and I don't think Klein's really looked that good, but you're taking steps still, right? Like they say a win forgives all sins. So when you go back and look at the tape, you're like, hey, listen, I know this doesn't look good, but we're going to take another step this week and work on this, right, guys? And like, yeah, 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 we got this. We're, we're, you know, we're making strides. Dalvin's making things look really nice. Guys, you're taking momentum with you. You got another chance tonight on a big game, on a big night. I mean, I know it's just Washington, but it's still it's Thursday night football, and people are going to be juiced for it. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk a little bit about Case Keenum here. And uh, I I think there's a a conversation about Case Keenum's post-Minnesota Viking career that is interesting in in how we sort of judge him as a quarterback and whether this is his last chance to be a starter and, of course, the odds that he pulls out a little Case Keenum magic tonight. Let's talk about that when we come back. Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin here on Purple Daily. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We'll use this download to remind you of something we have on our podcast network. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre and the rest of the 2009 Vikings, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Viking season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand right now, anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Or you can just go to scorenorth.com 
and click on Shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin. Let's talk about Case Keenum for a second. I know, Alex, you're a big fan of oh, yeah. having uh, spent time with him, with the Vikings, and I know that most other players who I've ever talked to on or off the record about Keenum will say he's one of the best guys to be around, that everybody roots for him, and that he tries his best to get the, the most out of people around him, a great leader and things like that as a quarterback. Um, but clearly, I think over the last couple of years, has um, I guess the deficiencies have been highlighted when he's playing with franchises that aren't in the best spot. And in a way, guys, I feel like Keenum couldn't have gone to two worst places if he wanted to continue <laughs> his career. Right? I mean, Denver first, they don't know yeah. what they're doing, and then Washington next. I mean, in a way, I think he is good enough to be a fringe starting quarterback and maybe get a team back to the playoffs, but it's not going to be franchises that are in these spots. No, definitely not, especially not in Denver. No, I mean, they're they're in a whole different set of trouble. But to me, you're right. I don't think that, you know, Casey's best year was here with Pat Shermer. And I'm, and I'm, I, I think that if Casey would have just followed Pat or someone like Pat and I, they they just worked so well together, and that's the one thing about free agency that nobody understands is when you go somewhere new, it's a whole new risk. You're you're literally jumping into new water. Like, hey, listen, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm taking a risk. And sometimes it works out well. Sometimes it it just falls flat on its face miserably. So for poor Casey, because he's a good player, a really good player, and I don't think they're using him correctly. I think he couldn't have ended up in a worse situation upon leaving here, but what else was the opportunity? Like, I mean, Arizona, maybe. The Jets weren't really even considering him as an option after the Cousins thing fell through. I I feel like he even had to know that things, just given the options that were available at the time, because New York wasn't available at the time with Pat going. Like, we, right. we all felt that Case, hey, okay, now's your chance to see if this is sustainable. So he had to find a team that had an opening, um, I wonder in the back of his mind if he kind of felt like, crap, this is not going to go well because right. all of my options are absolutely terrible. Like that 2017 team, everything, despite injuries to the offensive line, despite losing Bradford, despite a lot of things, things were pretty good in, in really good circumstances offensively for him. Um, you know, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better situation when Dalvin Cook goes down that you have Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs made some of Case's really, really oh, case-like yeah. throws look really good. Oh, yeah. um, and I just don't know if that was ever going to be sustainable again. Um, but the one thing I think about now is like, okay, turning the page, like, is he on Washington throughout the rest of the season? Like, could they potentially, if they, if and when they do turn to Dwayne Haskins, say, hey, we've got some good trade bait, trade leverage here with Case? Because I think that anywhere else he goes, he's going to have a really lucrative career as a backup quarterback, which was the first part of his career. Granted, it wasn't as, you know, he, he was bouncing around from St. Louis and Los Angeles and just kind of a journeyman backup quarterback. But now he's like a notable journeyman right. backup quarterback in the making. Um, and I think that he's going to be in a really good position out of either, you know, finishing out the season with Washington or going into free agency next year. Um to, to still be able to play at a very high level. And if the if team does run into an injury situation, just like he faced here in 2017, that he could be the guy that can win you a, more than just a handful of games. And teams are going to be able to trust that because think about the backups that are currently 
playing really, really well in the NFL. That's tough. I go to Teddy Bridgewater. I go to Teddy Bridgewater on that every time, and there's just not a lot of other options out there. But that's... Oh, did Alex fall off there real quick? Um, That happens sometimes. So with with Keenum, though, let me ask you this, uh, Courtney. Do you think that he gets another starting gig? No, I don't. I I just... I like struggle with it. I'm like, I'm like, did did he get set up for failure just by going to Denver? Just with the circumstances of being with such a bad franchise um, last year, and then he gets traded, and with the another fiasco situation with the Redskins and just how they've handled that. Um, on top of the injury and all the things he's dealt with this season, I just don't know if teams are going to be like, yeah, this was lightning in a bottle. We saw what we had to see in 2017 and that it was not able to be replicated in 2018 and in 2019. Um, I don't know. I just feel like the shelf life is already kind of up on Keenum as a starter beyond the season unless there's some miraculous turnaround in the second half of 2019, which I just don't see for this team. And it's not his fault. What what were you going to say, Alex? I was going to say, what if, I mean, I think that there's... as much as Casey's taking a lot of heat right now, I think that other teams look around and they go, okay, listen, he's getting peppered all the time. Some of those interceptions he's throwing are going through the hands of receivers, off the shoulder pads of other receivers. I mean, it's not all Casey's fault. So I think that at, when you say next year, looking forward, what's going to happen? Listen, going forward, he's their quarterback. If they're smart, they say, hey, listen, we're going to sit Dwayne this year, guys, just because we just don't like what's going to happen to him. Like the owner has to come down and say, hey, this is my guy going forward. So he has to be safe going forward. He can't get hurt, and I don't want him out there throwing reckless throws that are going to mess with him mentally. So just sit him for the year. Let him learn. Let him be in this offense. Let him be an A offense that is an actual pro-style offense, even though it's just handing the ball off. And then, Casey, you just finished out the year, and then from there, someone's going to give him another chance because you're right. When you look around the league, at the backups, the ones that are good right now, they're the young kids, right? They're the kids that are just slinging the ball around. These teams are kind of carrying them around. Look at Teddy. Teddy's doing great down there. But Teddy's in another situation that you had just mentioned. The, the starter gets hurt. All of a sudden, Teddy's placed in there. He's doing great. That's what Casey's role is. Yeah. Casey's yep. role was to, hey, listen, I'm going to come in for six, seven games a year, and I'm going to throw the hell out of the ball, and I'm going to have some fun. And after that, I'm going to go hold the clipboard. Yeah, you know, I I think his future is actually a a decent one in the NFL. I think his future is go be the backup quarterback for a good team. I mean, think about Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer's got that ring from last year with the New England Patriots, and Brian Hoyer was a guy who got a lot of credit for something he pointed out schematically with the Rams and, and working with uh, Tom Brady, but you know he had his shot at being a starter. It didn't really work out, and uh, he had some good times, some bad times, just like Keenum, and then was able to sustain an NFL career as a really good backup who can win half of his games if he comes in. I think signing in Washington, or was he traded to Washington? Traded to Washington. Yeah, okay, traded. traded to Washington. It was just a bad break for him. It was a bad break there. for him going to Denver. I mean, yeah. yeah, he had a good contract, and he he made some money, which yeah, he you got to take that money. Like, and it was what? Absolutely, like, it was. It was a considerable amount of it's like two year thirty six with like fourteen guaranteed yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was, it it was life changing money. And he yep. deserved that um, coming out of this the twenty seventeen season. But you kind of look at that and say, okay, I'm going to make my money, but this is also going to be a really rough yeah, ride. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think now the bigger question that we're always going to wonder about here, and this goes for Teddy Bridgewater too, but since Case Keenum is here, is what if the Vikings did not sign Kirk Cousins and what if they had mm-hmm. kept Case Keenum 
And let's just say Stefanski as opposed to John D. Filippo. Let's say it was the same Pat Shermer offense. They're doing a lot of the same things they are right now. I don't think that the results in terms of wins and losses are different. I think that last year, a lot of the shortcomings of the roster would have affected Keenum similarly to the way that they affected Kirk Cousins. There were some games that uh, Cousins lost that Keenum probably wins. The Buffalo game might have been one of them. There are some games that uh, the Vikings were competitive and got great performances like in Philly last year that maybe Keenum is not able to win. But I think ultimately he would have beat the same teams that Cousins beat This year, it was really never about could they beat the bad teams, because Keenum did that a lot in 2017. It was, can they take it even farther than they did in 2017? And that's still the question that we're asking now, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I I disagree, though. I think that had they kept Casey, they would have definitely been in the playoffs and they might have gone even farther. Mm. I think that when you're in a system for more than a year, you develop new tendencies, you find new things in it that you like, you scrap some things, and then all of a sudden you just build on what you've made, the success on it, right? And then the team says, hey, listen, Casey's here again for another year. All right, we'll ride with Casey again. He took us far enough. Let's go. Right? Like, there's no question about it. There's no like, oh, well, now we got a new guy. Now we got to see how the chemistry goes. It's just... It's a whole new avenue, and people don't understand because it's like, well, what could be so hard about going from one team to another? You're like, you just said it. You went from one team to a different team. It's not like you just pick everything up and leave and like start. It's not that easy. The chemistry has to be right. You're looking at guys, the way you talk to guys, learning new formations, learning new calls. Everything's so different that I feel that if they had kept Casey, even if Pat leaves, and let's take this scenario and say, okay, Stefanski gets the job. Great. Perfect scenario. I think that, yeah. They go to the playoffs. They're in the NFC Championship again because wow. everyone's saying, "Hey, we're taking strides. We have Dalvin back. We're doing big things." You know, now this year you still have Casey. I still think you're doing great things. There's something to be said about teams that just stick with the momentum and they're like, "Hey, listen, this is how we're going to ride out. Like, this is what we're going to do for the rest of the year." And they just say that and they go, "Okay, listen, let's build on." And then all of a sudden next year they have an all off season together and they're working on things. And Casey's finally like, "Hey, listen, I don't like these plays. Why don't we try and do some of these?" And Stefanski's he's like, "All right." Great, let's do it. And that's when teams start coming together and they start gelling together. Teams that have one year together and then everybody just disbands and then a whole new team and then you just disband. What? Where's the momentum? Where yeah. the hell are you supposed you to carry you over? Can't carry over exactly. You, there's nothing like, to carry the... over, right? I can't be like, hey guys, I'm coming from San Fran. Had a great year. Let's let's rock out. They're like, what? No, that doesn't. That's not work here. This is a new team, right? So when you do that, you the whole chemistry just changes everything. And that's why I'm always a big believer of just wait it out. You got to keep going because. To me, that was their opportunity. And a lot of the teams that have success in the long run do tend to do that. I, I was yeah. thinking about Pittsburgh as you were talking, and Ben Roethlisberger certainly helps with that. Uh, but they are a team that has always kind of kept their players and their coaches and continued to kind of chug Question. along even when they have uh, down moments. What's that? Think about, think about this. San Fran right now, this has been the same roster for three years. It's been the same coaching staff for three years. They're doing great. They, they're like, dude, we don't even have a receiving core. We're doing great. It's like We've been together for so long that we know what works. You're right. Pittsburgh, right? Look at the Saints. We've all been here together for a long time now. We all know what to do. The Rams, another team. We're just all here together. We've done this for a couple of years now. We're going to build as we go. Seattle, another one. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, all the teams that are consistently good are teams that every year they keep the same core players because they're like, listen, this is our core group. If we keep this group really, really tight, the other 50 guys will flock to them and want to be around them, and that's how you win. 
All right, uh, Courtney, I love to have you project things. After this game, you're definitely picking the Vikings next week. Well, it, it, it <laughs> makes sense. Again. It's yes. the second half of, yes. you know, we're just teeing up the second half of the schedule. I want you to give me Case Keenum's stat line for tonight. Ooh. Oh, boy. Ooh. Um, it's not going to be as bad as it was last week because, A, they're indoors. Yes, um, yeah, it's and not pouring. Like the thing that they Players aren't it, sliding across the field like a, a slip and slide. a little bit more together. Um, I'll say he's going to be... 17 for 24. Ooh. Ooh. Two, 208 yards. Ooh. One touchdown, two interceptions. Passer rating under 100. Okay. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I just, mean, just a very average stat he's, line. He's bound to have a pass tipped or yeah. something like that. Eric Kendricks gets a pick or something tonight. I could see that. Do We haven't discussed this. I don't know if you guys have. Um, what do you think they're going to do? They're, they have to do something for him tonight, right? Keenum, yeah, they'll show the miracle play up on the... Thing you do, well, right? they, I mean, because I thought back to it, the first game I covered was when Adrian was with the Saints in week one in 2017, and he came back, and I couldn't really remember anything that stood out to me that was like a big deal, because that was yeah. also when they were um, inducting Randy Moss and Ahmad Rashad into the Hall of Fame, um, excuse me, the, the Ring of Honor that game, so that kind of overshadowed it. There was a lot going on. Have they done, like... What could they possibly do for Keenum? Like, what is the appropriate thing to do tonight? I, I think maybe, I think maybe, like before they do their whole warm up ceremony or something, that you show the miracle play and just say thank you, Case, or something. I mean, I don't need these in my life. Do you guys like? I know that teams <laughs> want to do these, but you're playing them now, and players change teams all the time. Exactly. I don't, but I don't just, need thank you, Case. It just feels weird if it doesn't happen because yeah, you know they're you Why? know they're going to come under fire for it not happening. Wow, no. he's on the opposing I team. Agree Why would with anybody that? come under fire for that? because because it was. One of the greatest moments in franchise history. So? I mean, it's not like it hasn't been enshrined a thousand times ad nauseum, but I'm just curious. I've I've been thinking about that on my way over here. I'm like, are they going to do anything? Mm. Like, what could they possibly do? I think that they should show a open briefcase and slam it and say, case closed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Time to go to break. No? Okay, yeah, you're right. Oh, it is really for the break. Okay, sorry. Uh, all right, when we come back, I've got some <laughs> hot routes related to tonight's game for you, Alex Boone, and you, Courtney Cronin. So let's do it when we come back. Matthew Collar with you. Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. <laughs> Has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red falling! Blue poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 588! 397! You know what any of those mean, Alex? Yeah, 394. It's a three step and then 94 protection. Oh. So wait, if you know it, doesn't doesn't the defense know it? If the guy's calling it out, well, no, he's not yelling it. Like with three ninety four, would be like a play action because you're like selling the ninety four. So it'd be a three step. So like basically, three tells you that you want to really sell this guys, and then it's, you're selling ninety four action, which would be like a zone, and then smoke. I think it was, which is a quick play or a quick throw out to the you know slot, and then the other one was what do you say, bang, which would be a bang route. Yeah, okay. Well, because, uh, yeah, dra- Dragon, I know, is the uh, slant-drag slant combination, yeah, would it be? That's so, what it says. Dragon. 
That's, there you go. that's the only one I no big deal picked up. On. <laughs> all right, football. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's <laughs> ramp up the NFL films music, and we have hot routes. We have just not gotten to enough hot routes because yes. Alex won't stop annoying the internet. So after ah. that, <laughs> let's go. Aside hot from routes. that, we have needed a hot routes in our life. So it's uh, yes. related to the DC football squad. Uh, I want you guys to just give me your three favorite Washington players ever. Uh, I don't know who wants to start here. Ladies but, first. All okay. right, go ahead. Give so, me your three favorite players ever. I could get very emotional with this first oh. one because he's the reason that I love football. Um, I, in my like formative years, kind of like in high school, of like really understanding like this is a game that I love. Uh, Sean Taylor is the reason for that. Sure. Um, yes. I remember the night he. This is why it's so emotional. And the night he died, uh, like I actually got accepted to Indiana, my the place where I went to school for college, and I just remember I'll never forget that because I was like. On the internet, because that was back in 2007, and he had gotten shot. I just remember following all day, really re-scrolling, yeah, yeah. like, is he alive? Is he alive? Because that was just such a devastating blow mm-hmm. for where he was at in his career. Um, he goes down, in my opinion, as one of the greatest Redskins of all time, but he would be, had he continued on, Hall of, fame. I, Hall of Famer, yep, yep, best yep. at his position, I think, bar none. Um, and I think you could even throw him in probably as a top five. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Sean Taylor's the reason I love football. So that's uh, that's my number overarching number one. Champ Bailey, great, tr- tremendous rookie season. Total BA move to be like, I'm gonna, if you tag me, I'm going to miss fr- training camp. And then they're just like, okay, go seek a trade. And then he goes and has a Hall of Fame career with De- with Denver. So I think that was cool. And then Antoine Randall-L. Oh yeah, that's Indiana. right. I think of him as a uh, as a as a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah. yeah, but he you know had a big part of his career uh, in Washington. Okay, uh, how about you, Jonathan? We'll make Alex wait. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mine would be Sean Taylor and Champ Bailey. My third one would be a guy who went undrafted, but then played for I think sixteen years and never missed a game in London Fletcher. Oh, great! That pick. dude was great amazing. Pick. You guys are stealing all my good ones. <laughs> I hope Rex Grossman is on your list. <laughs> no, not Donovan McNabb. I was obviously going to say uh, Sean Taylor. I mean, what could you say about a guy? I mean, just one of the greatest players mm-hmm. ever. And I, I totally agree. It was an emotional day with the day we all heard about that. But uh, London Fletcher. I know. Talk about a guy that tried to kill me on the field. I loved every second of it. I mean, being and he was a Cleveland kid, so it was great playing with him on the field. But he was just what he brought to that game was so fun, and he was another emotional guy that was great to play against because he man he talked a lot too, and it was like man, it's hard keeping up with him. And he's an old guy, and he was just going. But uh, other than that, it had to be Jim Lacy, and only because I knew Jim, and he was an Ohio State guy, offensive lineman, and I really liked Jim growing up. And then I got to meet him when I was at Ohio State, and he ended up being a really great guy. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Davis, maybe one of the most underrated running backs of that era of great running backs in the late 90s, early 2000s. Really, really good player. Drove their offense then. I'm going to go Doug Williams here. Now, I don't really know like a lot okay. about what it looks like to see Doug Williams play because he was retired before I was watching a lot of football, but his a football life is amazing like the documentary on him and sean taylor but the documentary on doug williams and what he accomplished in his career being the first black quarterback to win a super bowl uh i i think that's awesome and he will go down as in history as being uh one of the one of the greats because of that and i'll give you 
a Washington football player who was severely underrated in his time, did not play there as his main team, like Randall L., but Lavernius Coles. Yeah. Great okay. player, Lavernius Coles. I but heard that name. Hall a very good player, I think. Uh, but he would go deep, and he had good hands, and just didn't have great quarterbacking when he was in D.C. So uh, there are my three. Our next question is, um, what do you guys think would have happened, Alex, you go first on this one, to okay. their franchise, had RG3 never gotten hurt? I think that that's an unfair question to ask. I was... I, Hot routes isn't fair. I like know, life. I know. <laughs> I, I don't think that they would have had the sustained success that everyone thinks they did. I mean, eventually these running quarterbacks, something happens. They flame out. They don't... You know, people are catch on to you, and it's, oh, listen, all you got to do is just attack the point line. Go right to where the handoff is and just destroy everybody there. And, you know, people catch on to stuff like that, and I don't, I just, you know, I don't think that they would have been able to keep the success that they had with him, even if he had not gotten hurt. But I'll tell you what, talk about a terrible injury, especially because we all watched it happen. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we all watched him go in the tent, and we were like, please, God, don't come out. He came out and went back in, and I was like, is nobody going to stop this poor guy from going out there after we watched him? I mean, that was terrible, terrible. So I went and found a quote from Mike Shanahan from 2015 talking about how the two previous years before that when we could kind of tell that the writing was on the wall with Robert Griffin, um, that injuries apparently didn't have anything to do with it. He said, in college, he didn't have a route tree, didn't have a playbook. That does take some time. If you take a quarterback like that, you must run a kind of system that allows him to be successful. I really believe Robert thought he was more of a drop-back quarterback. He hasn't done the things the NFL asks you to do. So had he not ever gotten hurt, which we knew he was susceptible to just with the style of play that is required of someone like him, um, I think that there would have been limitations within his game that they would never have been able to get past. I think that it would have been a burst, and Washington would have eventually had to draft somebody to play, to welcome, kind of usher in the... The modern era, so yeah. so if you want to call it that, of what we're seeing right now with the pass-happy NFL. What do you think, Jonathan? I think kind of around that same area. They There would have been this couple years that it would have worked, but then teams would have caught on, and they would have had to move on shortly thereafter. I don't think they would have been a team that's constantly competing for the top of the NFC East. I mean, that's not really hard to do this year because the rest of the division kind of stinks or is just kind of mediocre, but I don't think they would have been a team that's constantly competing for their own division. You know, I I think with RG3, here, here's what I think would have happened to him. That he got off to that really hot start, and then teams would have figured it out, and they would have started to design things to slow him down and force him to be a thinker back there, which I, I'm not sure that he necessarily was on the same level of a lot of other quarterbacks. But then he would have rejuvenated or something, like a, a few mm-hmm. years down the road. And I don't think this will happen to him now because he's not the same athlete as he was. But a Randall Cunningham-like career where he had this late resurgence. He's a backup somewhere. He's thrown in to be a starter. He has a great year. I feel like RG3 could have been that guy. Like it would have. I think he still would have been competitive, but not on the same level as he was early on. And good if his knee was the same. Uh, and maybe there would have been offenses that were designed more toward him consistently, like we see with the Ravens. But I'm not sure that he's sort of the same level of um, the same level of. I guess. Um, intellectual quarterback is Lamar Jackson. I don't know. I I respect what Lamar has been able to do so far, and I'm not sure that it's going to be as easy figuring him out as it was RG3, but I could have seen a a Cunningham-style trajectory to RG3's career. Uh, Next one. 
We all good with Thursday night football these days, or do we still think it's too quick of a turnaround, that the games are bad, and so on and so forth? I feel like the NFL went out of its way to make sure that people stopped saying the Thursday night games were bad by putting a lot of good Thursday night games on. Does that make sense? Uh, like, are you okay no. with that? You would have played in these. I love them. I love Thursday night games. I absolutely thought that they were for barbarians. I thought that it's <laughs> I mean, it really does, because, like... I'm not kidding you. You're walking off on Sunday, and they're handing you the playbook as you're walking into the locker room. Like, here, study this. We'll see you at midnight. Meetings start in five hours. Like, you got to go and just throw so much in, and you're so beat up that the week is such a mush. But then you get there, because I played in some of the legendary ones where it was like Thanksgiving, Seattle, 49ers. We got whipped in our own house. But, man, I'll tell you what. that You want to win that game, you have to be the toughest team out there, no question. I like thing. I like Thursday night games, Thursday games. Period. When they're on Thanksgiving, um, mm, if there's yes. any way to do this, where you have a buy, I'm sure this has been brought up a thousand times. But if yeah. you can have it where you're coming off of a buy, I'm all for it. I mean, eventually on the back end of that, you're still dealing with injuries. You're still still dealing with guys that are banged up, but it's not the quick turnaround because you'd have ten days in between games. Right. Um, I don't know why the NFL hasn't done that. Like, wouldn't it make sense? Because, like, you think about the London games. They've been giving every team after London their bye week. Why can't they do it for Thursday night? They don't want them. Teams don't want them anymore. Teams after they go to London are like, we don't want our bye week now. You're just ruining our season. Like, we get it. We're coming back from London. We'll figure something else out. Because teams are saying, put us in where it statistically makes sense to give us a bye week. Not just because we came back from London. I think when you have too much time off and then you throw in a crazy game like that, it just makes it like a hectic thing, right? Like, hey, guys, we're going to go on a bye week, and then we're going to come back to a normal week. We're not going to come back to some hectic week. Because then it's like, is it really a bye week? Because a bye week we get off from Wednesday all the way to Sunday or the following Monday, whoever the coach is, depending on how nice he is. Well, if you're playing a Thursday game, is that really considered a bye week? Because now I got to come back the Thursday of my bye week to get ready for the next Thursday game to have a mini bye week after. It's just, it's a whole like catastrophe. But I can tell you from the experience that going into this game, they're really fun. They're a lot of fun, and you get a little bit of a break right after. So that's not bad. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm not skipping over you, Jonathan. Don't worry. Uh, I, I know I. I know what you're saying, that it does uh, offer a little bit of a mini-bye week, and it has put the NFL on a Thursday night in everybody's home, unlike what it was when we were growing up, where you had to wait till Sunday back in my day. Um, but I also feel like it's so damn dangerous. Like, I know that you're like, hey, I'm Alex Boone, I like to get hurt, but like, <laughs> come on. I mean, you're talking about almost no recovery time, and you think about... Like other sports in comparison, the NBA, these guys are like, back-to-back, that's a little much. Like, the, the old knees can't take that. And they're sitting those games out to get more recovery, and they're adapting the schedule. And here's the NFL like, play two days later, nerds. Get out there. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Uh, so I, I've always felt like it was just a, a little bit too much on the dangerous side and also maybe not the best possible football. But I also don't think it's ever-changing. Is that you agree with that, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm kind of around the same area. It's just sloppy football all the time on Thursday just because there's so little time to prep and we know how these teams like to be almost over prepped sometimes and it's just too sloppy of football for me and the there's a lot of teams out there that are bad NFL products already and then you're showcasing them on national television once a year I'm, I'm not a fan of them so you watch also, Washington you all, tonight yeah, yeah. And you also <laughs> see those things happen on Monday night football yeah I'm still not over Monday 
I'm, I'm, I take it as a personal oh, insult how, how bad that game of how was? bad yeah. that game was. Yeah. And that was same, it the seeing ghost that bothered you? Yes. Or was it the actual performance? Well, it's the performance. I mean, okay, good. Cover zero. Like, I mean, they, it was literally like the oldest trick in their book. Yeah, like, I just, I'm, I'm not over that. Can we just talk though, real quick? What happened to the Jets' O line? Like, they're supposed to be good. They're supposed to be an O line up there, right? Because I'm not seeing one for this poor quarterback. Um, for uh, for the Jets, the Jets, the Jets. Yeah, uh, they're terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, Ryan Khalil maybe should have hung it up. And what the, was that? The rest, oh yeah. No, it's it's a mess. Uh, yeah. I was I was just reading a text from Patrick Royce, who is saying Joe Theismann will always be his number one. For I'm su- yeah, I'm Washington. surprised nobody mentioned that. Well, I mean, we're just not it's old enough. Like we, us, we picked yeah. our era of like That's you know fair. growing up and and that sort of thing. What players were were that we liked, but. He said that Theismann gave him 45 minutes for an interview, so of course he's number one. <laughs> uh, okay, last one here. Now, don't start a thing with me, Alex, okay? Uh, but let's say the Washington football team at some point went by something else than what they currently go by. What would you change their name to? If they were forced If they were forced to change their name, what would you go with? Go ahead, Courtney. I think it'd be cool to... Can they do it, like, stealing from another... Sports franchise? Thing, can yeah. you can could they be the Washington Senators? I know that yeah, was a baseball sure, why not? thing. Not why not? Right now, Let's, might as well. Yeah, I mean they were that was the Twins. So I kind of Rangers before that. Yeah, it's after that. Let's go with the Washington Senators. That's a badass name. I like that. The Washington that Senators. What do you think, John? Or the Washington Congressman? You're you're creative, fella. Eh, I don't know about that. I I have two names that it came up with. Rene- Washington Renegades. It keeps the W and the R thing, and it's completely different from what they currently are, or kind of a homage to what they did in the 80s, the Washington Hogs. I was going to say that. That'd be the perfect one, wasn't it? Their <laughs> yeah. offensive line. I mean, they've got the yeah. fans okay. doing the oh thing already God. with the, the pig noses. You might as well. Yes, yes. That's what I was going to say, the Hogs, dude. That's what they should do. They were That was like they, what they were known for. Their offensive line was like legendary. God, I love them. Would it be uh, wrong in a football arena to steal from soccer and call them the Washington Football Club? Like, yeah. with the, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. all right. I'm okay with this. Fair enough. I just thought no, it might be. You can't do this. It, it, the Washington Football Club. Yeah, well, I mean, I just Washington thought, you know, it's sort of Club? D, the D, yeah, something like the that. The Washington D.C. or whatever. D.C. Renegades. Just go by, no, that's cool. Just go by your name. D.C. Renegades. Renegades is cool. Ooh, it can be done. Is that the name of like an indoor soccer team? Whoa, dude! Seriously? No, I mean I like it. I'm just saying, isn't really? that name it already didn't used sound right like now? Like this. Sound like no, it really didn't like it. Like total snark, turbo it's, snark. It's not right turbo snark. That was turbo snark if I ever heard it. It's actually a rugby football club. Oh, Thank you. Yes. See, that's yeah. what I was getting at. Like I, you knew that. Oh I did my though. God. I had heard that, Alex, and it was like, wow, that's a really good name. Isn't that already used somewhere else? DC Renegades. I love it. Let's okay. do it, Jonathan. Yeah. Tell right. I don't. I don't hate that. Okay, uh, let's take a break here. We've got a game in only a couple of hours, and I'm excited for that. We should do that every Thursday, like have a game that night <laughs> so we can preview it. See um, how fun they are? Well, <laughs> what, what, great. I know, it's great. You know, this football thing might work. <laughs> They're fun because we're not getting hurt. I mean, but the turnaround for us, it's not nearly as I bad as the turnaround you. for them. It, you don't even feel anything from the game before. You're still just so like, what is going on? It's it's a lot more fun than it comes off. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's swing back to Kirk Cousins and the offense and talk about what's sustainable beyond this. And uh, is it going to work against Washington the same way it has against these other teams that were not good on the defensive side? Let's continue the discussion here leading up to the game tonight. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin on Purple Daily. 
You know, I, I hope so, but it's really not for me to say. I think it's week to week, and you got to go prove it. And I don't really feel safe to comment on who we are or what we're doing until the season's over. And you look back and say, hey, what was the body of work? Um, each week is its own entity, and uh, you never know what the next opponent's going to throw at you and how you need to respond to it game to game, but also play to play, series to series. So um, I think we, we understand what we do well and, and uh, the playmakers we have and how we want to use them. But week to week, it can vary as to what that looks like, and uh, we'll see it come the end of the year what the body of work ended up being. So three weeks ago, we're talking about how frustrated everyone is and that this thing is about to go off the rails and that if something doesn't happen quick, the season's lost. And then three weeks later, we're sitting at the halfway point ahead of this Thursday night football game. Purple Daily, Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone, Matthew Collar joining you for the next half an hour. And we're talking about Kirk Cousins in the midst of this insane stretch where you wonder how sustainable is this? He's playing out of his mind. My favorite stat... um, from last week, I got it. You know, the NFL sends out the week seven things from Sunday or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it was that Kirk is the first quarterback in NFL history. Think about all the quarterbacks who have played this game. But during this three weeks, Dan Marino stretch, was one of those. Yes. Love him. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. And you just completely <laughs> threw call me off. But great call. Um, it just was like, you're like all the quarterbacks in history. Yeah, so I just every thought quarterback, of a quarterback ever. from history. Um, but. The stat that was so impressive to me. <laughs> thank you for throwing me off and now making me go absolutely crazy yeah, trying you got to find that stat? this. Wait, I do have got it. You got it. Been filibustering over here. Um, here it is. First quarterback in NFL history to record at least 300 passing yards and a passer rating of 135 or higher in three consecutive games. Like that is a. And he's done the three straight games of 300 yards passing before. That was a stat that has showed up um, during I think two different stretches in Washington in 15 and 16, but the body of work and the passer rating itself, I think is something that we should dive into a little bit more here and just kind of looking at what Kirk has done these first, these last three weeks that have made him so successful. Um, It's the design rollouts. It's the play action. It's, you know, clean pocket. Mike Zimmer always loves bringing that up first when you ask him what's stood out. Um, But Alex, I'm going to start with you here because we look at Kirk and we'd look at trying to, project this i guess you know when they start having to go on the road to some really really tough places in weeks nine ten they've got to go to kansas city and dallas back to back seattle's then it mixed in there with monday night football how can they sustain this level of play from kirk whether because you know that eventually things are going to regress to the mean that just always happens and not every quarterback can sustain this type of play long term but how can you find that happy medium with Kirk so you kind of push away bad Kirk and you know expect maybe an outlier here and there, but just trying to find like that middle ground where he's looking like this more often but not necessarily putting up those type of numbers? I think the number one, it starts with the run game. We talked with Carson Palmer the other day about what makes Kirk so good right now, and he said it. When he hits his back foot and he can get that ball out, that's what makes him special, and that's all that play action. That's that, hey, we're going to give you time by just show the defense the ball to Dalvin and watch what happens next, and I think that if you can continue to run the ball as effectively as they have, especially on the outside. Matt and I talked before about how 
when you run on an outside of a defense, you you expose their cornerbacks. You make them make a decision. Are we really going to want to stick our head in here and try and tackle Dalvin Cook? Do I really want to take on this offensive lineman right now? Or do I just want to get out of the way? But you're still threatening them. You're still putting them kind of on the island. Like, what am I going to do? My teammates are watching. And I'm going to start getting beat up a little bit. And then we're going to hit the play action to Diggs. And I know Thielen's not playing, but you still have Irv Smith, who's playing really nice right now. You still have Rudy across the middle, who showed up last week. And you still have B.C. Johnson. And then... That, to me, is enough for Kirk Cousins to sustain this going forward. All right, guys, did you, either of you see what uh, Mike Sando had at The Athletic today? No. He went back over his quarterback tiers. He did, and Kirk Cousins still listed as a third-tier quarterback, which is where he was heading into the season. And the executives that uh, Mike Sando interviewed, one of them said, I don't think anything is really different with him. They have done a good job in Minnesota of surrounding him with solid scheme guys that can shorten the games, keep him in advantageous passing situations. Their scheme is really, really good for protecting the quarterback and keeping him from hurting himself. Uh, Another evaluator said to Mike Sando, Don't be fooled by the mirage. This is a case of complete commitment to the run. The guy is making big plays by half rolling with complete protection and having guys uh, run through the secondary wide open, waving their hands, and he still overthrows them some of the time. Um, That must have been a D.C. uh, evaluator there. But, 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 you know, I totally agree that Kirk Cousins is not any different. It just is that they have come across the exact right scheme for him And even when they play better teams, I think that it can work as long as that thing doesn't pop up. What can we call it? Can we call it, like with Sam Darnold? The yips? Is that what you want to call it? Like like with Darnold, they're going to call it seeing ghosts for the rest of time, right? right? They're always going to say, oh, the guy's ghosts, guys. Yeah. But uh, what what should we call it? Like the disease? (laughs) It's bad Kirk and good Kirk. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. Right, right. Like because it's processing. I mean, what did we talk about last year when, you know, there was the discrepancy between you're not supposed to be nine and a half yards deep. Oh wait, you're supposed to be seven and a half yards deep. And then you're relying on your left tackle to hold somebody for more than, you know, to block somebody for three and a half seconds or longer. That's the processing part of Kirk that hasn't shown up much this season where it's like, I'm looking, I can't go through my reads fast enough outside of, okay, I will say the bears game. Yes. Like that was a brain fade on my part when he's got guys wide open and he's checking down to CJ ham Mm -hmm. for a four yard gain. If that version of Kirk doesn't show up, and I think it's a complete shift in play calling, and I think I think I saw Tom Pelissero from NFL Network say that he talked. To, this is going into the Detroit game. Um, that like what the last few weeks, like that you know, in talking to Stefanski, like pump the brakes. This isn't this isn't our offensive identity. Kind of like this was not necessarily who we are. Why can't it be? Yeah, like, this I, is I think working. it should be who they like, are. That's what, I was kind of surprised by seeing that because, I don't know, and that's maybe that's like bringing it back to what Mike Zimmer wants of being a run-heavy team and a run-first team, especially on first and second down. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't necessarily think that they're, this is just like a pocket of, okay, we're never going to see this again. Well, this they're is who so, they should be. This is who should I mean, the, the play calling itself um, has completely shifted from weeks one through three and then again from four through eight. Now we're going into eight. Um, I think that's really impressive. But that's what we talked about. Stefanski needs to do. You need to use this offense as best 
effective way possible. And right, when we started out the season, it was kind of like helter-skelter up in the air. What are we doing? Dude, we're letting Kirk do too much. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, just feed Delvin the ball. Let's start simple and we'll work our way up to the bigger thing. And you've seen that. Every week Delvin showed up. Now there is going to be a team eventually that stops him. There's going to be a team that stops him cold. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, hey, dude, what are you going to do? And it's going to be the same with a lot of teams right now in the league that are rolling. Eventually a team's going to stop them and it's going to be like, well, what's your plan B? Because if your plan B is to throw it, who are you throwing it to? And number two, what offensive line's in front of them, and how are you going to be throwing these plays? Because sometimes that doesn't look so good for these guys. I think I've got it. I think I came up with the name for what happens to Kirk. I think I'm going to call it the Trent, and I'll tell you why. Because the Bills had a quarterback named Trent Edwards, and I wasn't um, really like covering football yet. I was maybe in college. And Trent Edwards got hit a few times early in his career and then got really scared. But after he got scared, he would hold on to the ball longer, which I'm sure you've seen this, Alex. And it's like, yes. wait, this doesn't make sense. No, no, like, what? Like, what are you doing? Like, that's, that's backwards. Uh, but, yeah. but it happens to Kirk when he gets the Trent in him sometimes. And, you know, as much as I think that the scheme is really, really good and the identity is what they have right here, which is actually get ahead with the pass a lot of times and, mm-hmm. and draw Delvin in or draw people into Delvin early. And then later when they're like, oh, man, they're running all those play actions, then then you hit them with run plays and you get what you got last week. I think that's a great identity to have, especially getting Cousins going early with completions um, that they, they've just hit all the right notes the last couple of weeks. I think the big fear going into every game is if and when Cousins is going to have the Trent. Like it, when it's just going to feel like, oh, this guy can't do it today for some reason. I remember going into the Bears game last year, the one that was coming out of the bye. So that would have been week 10 um, in Chicago. Yeah. The one yep, that yep. kind of kick-started the, the downward yes. spiral. Um, and I remember speaking to somebody uh, closely associated to the situation kind of asking like what happened i mean and the the look apparently i remember distinctly i was told that kirk looked like a deer in headlights from walking into the stadium walking into the locker room going through pregame that there was just something there mm-hmm. about whether it was the moment the stage realizing what was at stake here that even hours before the game he looked like he was just not there mm-hmm. mentally um, and whether it's like you take yourself out of the game mentally at that point, you set yourself up for failure, you never give yourself a chance. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to say that you saw that same deer in headlights Kirk the last few weeks. He's playing with swagger, and he's playing with confidence. Mm-hmm. And I know that you know going against your former team, revenge game, all those things, apology gate from a few weeks ago, <laughs> um, all of these oh, things that have fueled Kind of in Zach, uh, Zach Brown's comments and, and Mike Zimmer saying, yeah, I think, you know, it ticked him off and that maybe he does play better like this. Um, is he one of those guys that can actually, like, maybe he's just not cognizant of that because once he starts becoming cognizant of that and playing quote unquote pissed off, is he gonna, is it gonna swing the other way where it's almost too much emotion fueling him? So um, you, I just, you- I wonder about that because I, I tweeted something the other day. Uh, Stats and info from ESPN uh, put together kind of like a every time Kirk has either come up with a catchphrase or there's been some comment that he's (laughs) no no for real for real it was it was a really good stat of just kind of like what has happened since the you like that game Um, how do you like me now which I think was directed at Scott McLuhan Um, that was I forgot about that line but that was in 2015. 
Um, Every time he yells at someone, he has a big game after. Well, he apologized to Phelan, and look what he look what's happened since then. Analytics. I mean, I thought it was a great stat. I mean, there's not much you can take away from that, but it yeah. is kind of coincidental. And I just kind of wonder with like the emotional aspect and the mental aspect with Kirk tying that all together. Um, you know, I feel like this year more than any year, he's been so cognizant and so cautious to say, I'm staying steady. I'm trying to be even keel. I'm not worrying, like reading into stuff like that. And maybe it's actually helped because the, the Trent part of Kirk mm-hmm. has not shown up since week four. No one has. So not. I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. Trent. And now that I'm buying into your thing, I had yips. You, the Trent. You it's not it just Trent. It's the Trent. Is there like a trademark after that? There no. will be. There will be trademark in that, uh, probably. Uh, so, well, what do you what do you think of all that, Alex? I, I think that what the problem for me is it's not so much Kirk; it's it's going to be the team around him. Say they do hit a speed bump somewhere, right? Whether it's in Kansas City, Dallas, Seattle, you get some really tough games coming up. You hit that speed bump. Is the team going to all of a sudden start pointing fingers again? Or are they just going to be, hey, this is just part of the journey, dude? We're good. We're just going to keep on moving. You know, I mean, it's just. There's so much has already been highlighted this year that it's already hard to know that it is an emotional game, and I understand that. I understand emotions run high. But all of a sudden, when you start making a lot of emotional decisions and then you're calm for a while and then something happens again, you go back to making really bad emotional decisions because you get hyped up super quick like, dude, we were doing something really good. Mm -hmm. What happened? Well, all of a sudden, here comes a finger, and here comes another finger. And then you're like, wait a minute. I see a trend here. I know what's happening. Hmm. I'm wondering if that's going to happen or if someone's just going to like spearhead this idea of, hey, who cares? Let's just move forward, guys. Let's go. I think that's been in all of our minds that mm-hmm. what happened in week four coming out of the Bears game, going into week five, where the frustrations, that was the word that Thielen used, and then right. Diggs used it, and they get a win in Washington um, against the Giants, and then everything's fine, and then they keep winning. And it's like, okay, This is only, in my opinion, this has been swept under the rug for now. It's kind of like, let's put a pin in this. We might have to deal with it again at some point this season. But if we can keep winning, let's just all fake happy for a little bit. (laughs) And like what Alex said, you know, winning cures all sins. Sure. But when if and when they start losing, is all that stuff going to start coming out? All the dust going to come from out from under the rug and be like, nothing was actually fine. We just ran into some teams at an opportune time for us, like a bad Giants defense, a very bad Eagles secondary, and a Lions team that um, they were able to pick apart defensively. So well, I don't know. And and I think that the evidence of this, exactly what you guys are talking about, is just in last year where you know, they came off of the Buffalo game and there was a lot of drama and then they lose it to Los Angeles. Cousins fumbles at the end. He makes it very clear it was Riley Reef's fault and not his. And, right. and then... And, <laughs> You know, it's always, it's always funny. No it's always funny, Alex, how, you know, we'll talk about these things probably a lot about, you know, wow, he really, you know, threw another guy under the bus and he shouldn't have done that and things like that. And a lot of times the response we'll get is like, who cares? These guys are football players. They're like, oh, they care. Oh, they, <laughs> yes, they do. They have families who watch the post game press conferences and read the articles and everything else. And they're like, did you see this? A guy threw you under the bus. And, uh, it, it sort of speaks to how delicate a locker room can be when you're dealing with a lot of, you know, tough times, I think. Yeah, I think that not only when you say someone's name, but sometimes how the reporter will report the situation. You know, like a guy saying, hey, listen, I think the offensive line needs to play better could turn into the offensive line sucked. <laughs> and all of a sudden everybody's yeah. like, wait a minute, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. And you're looking at him like, dude, what'd you say? Yeah, we yeah. Suck, Even huh? Cousins' okay. apology. I mean, all he said yeah. was... 
that and you didn't like that, right? Or did no, or were you okay I with didn't. it? You got to handle your business behind closed well, doors. I, yeah, I agree. It with just that. felt weird that it was being put out there in the right. open. I, like, I totally there, agree there was with that. definitely some sort of ulterior motive, maybe on For both sure. parts. Like, why would Thielen go on there? There was like, also that's my question. About the, but it. there I'm was also over. uh, overreaction. I think um, you know by Stephen A. Smith and and the national media to come in and. and just sort of pile on after a bad game to be like, this right here, this is proof that Cousins isn't worth the money and all those sorts of things. Like, okay, well, it's not super unusual for a quarterback to say sorry for overthrowing you, but I, I totally understand to sort of keep that internal as opposed to making it look like it was a setup to say right. that, to sort of wash over the way that he had played the previous week. But uh, I, I think the delicate nature of this team, as we've seen already this year, not that long ago, a guy skipping practice and getting fined $200,000, like that was just the other day. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like uh, they have to keep rolling and they have to keep winning, and it would be hard for them to sustain a gut punch loss like if by some way they lost tonight. Dude, I mean, a cut punch tonight, I mean, I, there are a lot of teams that wouldn't be able to recover from that. I don't think the Patriots would be able to recover from a Thursday night loss to the Washington Redskins when you have a team that's, you know, diabolical enough to beat them. And I agree with you. I think the stretch is going to come down to this Dallas and Seattle game because, number one, it's two road games, right? Yep. A lot of bad things happen on the road. You get a team on the road that's kind of like, hey, we're good, right, guys? And everyone's like, I think we are. And you start not being good. It's like, oh, boy. Oh, man, you know, people start getting flustered. They start doing too much. They start to overreact. They start to get crazy in the locker room, and that's when bad things happen. So that's the stretch to me that I'm really like, man, if you can get through this two weeks, and it's a tough two weeks, I don't care what anyone says. Dallas is a tough team, okay? The, yeah, the team, no, they absolutely. They're good defense. When they yep. have their offensive line at full force, they're one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. But then you turn around and you look at what Seattle's doing defensively, and not only that, but what is Russell Wilson doing? Like, this team's going to be challenged down the road, and they see it coming. And know they do because they've been on these teams where you're like, hey, listen, we're not trying to look too far ahead, but I hope you guys see that down the road because this game comes quick, and then after this game, you're in one of those games. Like the Kansas City game's going to fly by. And I know they don't have Pat Mahomes, and nobody's overlooking that, but as long as then this team is tested, they take it in stride, and they say, hey, listen, it's just a game. Let's move forward. Let's not point fingers. Let's all say we screwed up, and it's over. I think that this could be a really dangerous team. Like, this could be the Browns team without being the Browns. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> the preseason Browns could pre-season be this team. Browns. Think about it. This is the 49ers team right here. This is the identical makeup. Your defense is so stout, your top three defense. Not only that, your offense is based on the run game. Your O-line is somewhat sketchy, but your quarterback only has to make 12 throws a game. This is San Francisco football right here all over. These two teams are identical, and they could both just storm right into the playoffs. And that, my friend would be a game to watch. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back, and then we will decide what happens tonight. We will make, uh, how about we do some, just for fun, some bold predictions on what happens mm, tonight. We'll yes. do that. That's what you do in media, Alex. I don't know I how got, much you I know got about one. it. I already do have some the bold predictions. All I right. Okay, we'll do that when we come back. Alex Boone, Courtney Cronin, Matthew Collar here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download, brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show and uh, the normal storyline of Kirk Cousins and the big game and the primetime game coming up once again. Good Morning Football had this to say about that topic. I'm sick of the Kirk Cousins primetime thing. It's it's low-hanging fruit, it's rote, and it's often... 
objectively incorrect. Guys, we have to understand the difference between Kirk Cousins hasn't won in primetime versus what he often hears, Kirk Cousins is terrible in primetime, which is a lie. Here's what's going to happen tonight. The network's going to put up the graphic that Kirk Cousins is 5-13 and 13 in primetime games. What they will not put up is that Kirk Cousins' passer rating, completion percentage, yards per game, are all better in prime time than they are in afternoon games. That's a fact. They won't put up that Kirk Cousins' defenses in prime time give up 31 points per game. They won't put up that in 2017 against the Eagles, he lit them up and lost in prime time. Or last year, he lit up the Rams and lost in prime time. Everybody screaming that he sucks in prime time is a terrible, incorrect take. He has to change that tonight, and I think he will. Well, Vikings fans, will he change that? take about him tonight with the uh, game against Washington. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter at SKR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. So I did a study on this last year before the primetime game against Green Bay and I found some of the same results meaning that, you know, Cousins didn't play horribly in every single primetime game. But if you're talking about Cousins' inability with Good surrounding casts in D.C., including Sean McVay, and now here, inability to come up big against good teams, which oftentimes are on prime time. I mean, the, the the numbers really don't lie on that. And I think what we were just talking about, the Trent, where he goes like Trent Edwards and sort of freezes and, and won't throw the ball and fumbles and things like that. Like, we've all seen that. That doesn't mean he can't beat Washington or couldn't beat a bad Green Bay team last year. There, there is definitely something to a guy who's a, a 500 quarterback for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's almost, it is really amazing, guys, isn't it? How, you know, a couple weeks ago, every national outlet is like, oh my God, cut Kirk Cousins, play Sean Manny, where's Sloter? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a couple weeks later, a couple good games, as if the guy's never played a good game before in his life. But now it's like, well, I don't know who said that. What? No, I've <laughs> never heard anything bad about Cousins. In fact, he's the best primetime quarterback ever. It was Riley Reese's fault that he fumbled at the end of that Rams game. I mean, like, <laughs> yeesh, this is a wild roller coaster of not following just the team, following the, the, the people, the national media, trying to figure out how they feel about Kirk Cousins. is just as wild. Yeah, no, it's definitely wild. And not only that, but I think people are... They're looking back and they're saying, listen, dude, you're getting paid a ton of money to win games. And whether it's your fault or not, I've even come out and said it's not a fair assessment because you don't know how the defense played that day. The defense could have been getting lit up, and it's not on every quarterback to score 55 points in every primetime game. Like, yep. It's just not going to happen. But you're right. When you get paid this amount of money, it's your job to make it really, really close, if not a win. Like That's your job. Your only job is to win the game. And when you don't win, people are going to say, who cares what the defense did? Dude, the quarterback didn't win the game. That's what the quarterback does. Does. He puts the team on his shoulders and he says, watch me, guys. So when you can't do it, people are automatically going to spin that narrative. Hey, you're not good in primetime games. You're right. It might be the defense, but no matter how you shake that tree, it's going to fall on the quarterback. All right, let's do bold predictions before we wrap up for tonight. You want to start, Courtney? Sure. Go ahead. Make a bold prediction. I believe it. that the Washington run game, spearheaded by... Bill, 1985 Callahan, and Adrian Peterson. By the way, Bill Callahan couldn't have been a nicer interview the other day. I loved it. Sure. He's a nice so friendly great. guy. Um, he, he and Mike Zimmer should be on the same staff, though, no. if you're thinking about it offensively. I mean, just saying. Anyways, I'll get to my prediction. I think that the entire Washington run game is held to less than 70 yards on the ground. 
Okay, that's not super bold. I was going to say, I was really hoping for a bold, not a not an accurate. Four out of ten bold. If you just said negative, they held him to negative yards. Now that's bold. That's also not realistic. That's what you you sure. This is bold. You should have gone bold. You should have said Adrian Peterson runs for minus five yards today. I mean, Do I it. want say it. no. I'm not saying that. I mean, if you never told me it had to be like a ridiculous. We said bold. I mean, yeah. Where's a dictionary here? Bold. Oh, bold. What, what does bold mean? mean? Well, Let's I think that risky, risky, uh, completely inaccurate. Showing yeah, that's what an bold is. To take risks, confident and courageous. That was not a courageous. No, it wasn't. Pick. I was just trying to be realistic. I'm hey, sorry. Are you ready for a bold one? How about this? Kirk Cousins has more yards than the entire offense of Washington tonight. Okay. That's fine. Fair, that's fairly bold. Thank you for showing me up on that, Alex Boone. He's six out of ten bold. He didn't go like ten bold. Dude, are you uh, serious? Like I'm saying out of 10. like out of one game and pass game. Yeah, yeah look, look, look who they're playing. They have one win. It was against Miami by one point. You go, imagine all the junk time they're going to get tonight. Are you serious? Oh my God, that's where they get all their yards. Yeah, no, that's junk true. Time. That is like true. you got to think this is a really bold prediction because I'm I'm predicting the score to be like twenty four nothing at half, right? So then you're just like throwing for 400 yards, Casey, with no touchdowns. Right? At the yeah, yeah. The uh, the Kirk Cousins Boom. stat line from last year <laughs> just wasted yards. I hate that. God. Um. So let me, let me try to go fairly bold. Then uh, let's say Irv Smith goes triple digits tonight. Irv Smith has a huge breakout Ooh. game, goes absolutely bananas, couple of big plays, and he leads the team in receiving yards with 100 plus. About that's that? bold. That's, that's bold. I like that. Bold. Number, number two tight end with 100 yards. That's bold, guys. Question. Can I get you to get within 10 yards, plus or minus, of what he would actually be? Um, I would let's say, see. let's go 110. Ooh. I'll go... Because I'll go. if you think about like how the targets are going to get split up with Thielen out, it's a very... I mean, it's a realistic. I'm not going to say it's like over the, over the moon flaming bold take. Mm, wow. I'm just kind of oh, trying to tear. Wow. I'm trying to tear you down, but you to tear me down. You're you're like I think both teams will put uniforms on tonight. Is that bold, guy? <laughs> you're like, but you're not bold enough. Like what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, well, can I? I'll, I'll go realistic with Irv. I mean, not aside from my bold take. What the uh, my actual expectation is is he probably ends up with. 65 yards or something like that. And I, I don't think it's crazy to see him break out. I think he's been great. Do you think he has his first touchdown tonight? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I think okay. he's been really, really good so far this yeah. year. And it's been under the radar because a lot of it's blocking and things like that. But when you see him run routes, he's able to create separation. And even Zimmer went into detail about him stemming his routes and better and stuff. Up, yeah, and I mean, DB up. Like, it's pretty but impressive. That's what, that's what Kirk needs, though. I mean, Kirk was one of those guys that's like, hey, dude, you got to be on your spot with him. Like, he's got to feel really confident throwing this ball that you know where you're supposed to be and he knows where that ball is going to be because to me, he's like the guy that has to be so confident. And that's what Irv Smith does a great job. And not only that, but the getting them him the ball in that hide route where they're joining these boots, get this man the ball and just let him start running people over. He's young. He's following in the Dalvin Cook tree if you're watching the way he's playing. All right. Score, everybody. Alex, why don't you go first? Give us a score for tonight's contest. 31 10. 36 7. I'm going to go 24 13. I think a little less a little, offense. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say there's one turnover by Kirk where we all go, oh my God, a turnover, and then it, everything's fine, ultimately. All right, well, this was uh, this was fun to actually be able to do a sort of pregame-style show and have both of you here for all two hours. So thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Alex. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with Sage Rosenfels is driving all the way into Minnesota just to do an hour with us. That's not true. He's coming to see his girlfriend. But he's going to be in studio. <laughs> 
Okay, and uh, it's going to be great. So he'll be able to break down the game right after and look forward to that tomorrow. That's the 3 o'clock hour, and we'll have reaction to what happens tonight. So thank you, Alex. Thanks for your time, as always. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. And thank you, Courtney. I'll see you in like an hour over at the stadium. Okay, bye. Hope there's a good dinner. Okay, uh, we'll uh, hand it off to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thanks for listening. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.